St. Leo 360, a 360-degree overview of the St. Leo University community. Welcome to another edition of the St. Leo 360 podcast. This is your host here with you, as usual, Greg Lindbergh. On this episode of the St. Leo 360 podcast, we are speaking about our Doctor of Criminal Justice program here at St. Leo University. And I should mention that we launched this program uh, back in the fall of 2018. And this is one of three doctoral programs that St. Leo University currently offers. Uh, In addition to this DCJ, we also have the DBA, uh, the Doctor of Business Administration, as well as the EDD program, the Doctor of Education. So on this episode, uh, we have two students, two current students in this Doctor of Criminal Justice program joining us. And first off, I'd like to welcome John Bennett to the podcast. John, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And in, in addition to John, we also have Todd Hand with us. Todd, how's it going today? It's going well, Greg. Thanks for uh, the invitation. Definitely. Looking forward to diving in here and kind of chatting about uh, both of your, your backgrounds as well as your experience in the program and how it uh, has already benefited you guys in addition to to kind of future pursuits. So let's uh, go ahead and start off here, and uh, we'll start with John. Uh, John, if you could just give us a little bio about yourself in terms of uh, your age, if you don't mind, uh, location, and and family. Oh, absolutely. Um, So um, I'm in my uh, late 50s. I'll be 58 in uh in middle of june um um in tampa i've actually uh, worked for the city since 1984 uh with a small break after 30 years and then back in my current role and um i've got i guess in modern era terms a large family we have four children my youngest just graduated um high school um monday night and then we have uh, one at University of Florida, one that just graduated from St. Leo with an education degree. And then our oldest, uh, she was in Navy intelligence and now raising her own family. Nice and very cool that you also have uh, an alum in the family as well, another alum. Yes, very uh, pleased with that journey. Excellent. And then Todd, how about you? I'm just about the age of John, and uh, I have a daughter who is married and lives in Maryland. I uh, just became a grandfather for the first time uh, about three months ago. Pretty excited about that, and uh, I am uh, excited to be here. Excellent. Congrats on uh, becoming a grandfather. Thank you. So in terms of uh, your careers, let's dive a little further into those. Uh, John, let's go to you. Talk to me about your, your work history. I know you mentioned uh, long-time involvement uh, you know, in terms of criminal justice. So talk to me about some of the roles you've had over the years, and then we can get into your current role. 
Well, my first um, blush with government service or public service happened in my summer of my high school graduation year. Um, I graduated in high school in Pasco County and I was offered a baseball scholarship locally. Um, it actually was the inaugural scholarships for uh, junior college to play baseball. And like any other um, rising college student, you needed money. So I ended up working for Pinellas County Parks and Rec and um, did maintenance over the summer. And, and um, you know, I really enjoyed that. And then, of course, I did the, the college year. And then my financial support, you know, not so much the college because that was all paid for, but the wraparound things that you need to attend college kind of disappeared overnight. Um, and I needed to uh, change my college outlook. So I ended up taking a full-time job um, at Pinellas County to do the same line of work. And my one of my best friends who also got a baseball scholarship was able to stay on track. But then he was moving to Tampa to go to USF for his junior and senior year. So I ended up roommating with him and um, continued to work in Pinellas County. And I decided to start taking adult classes at USF to keep my college career moving. And I, there was a job fair and that job fair was recruiting for the Tampa Police Department. And I figured at that point in time in the, you know, the early to mid eighties that right out of high school. And, and at that time you didn't really need, you know, they were hiring more uh, military or just non-degree students uh, in law enforcement at the time. So um, I applied in, in uh, I was barely 21 years old when I applied and, and uh, selected to go to the academy, which then was actually a higher position, different, a little different than it is today. So I was an employee of the city by fall of 84, hit the street in 85. Uh, my career was a, a plethora of amazing opportunities. Um, you know, frontline work, uh, field training work, detective work, uh, command levels, uh, specialty teams, special operations, um, and then command. And I retired as the assistant chief of operations in 2015 on 30 days or 30 years to the day. Um, and then I was fortunate because one of our previous uh, mayors, Mayor Pam Iorio, her husband was the county administrator in Pinellas. And uh, no coincidence to my previous work in Pinellas, but uh, he was looking for a public safety administrator. So shortly after I retired from Tampa PD, uh, I was hired over there to oversee the health safety and welfare program for Pinellas County, which really involved emergency management, their 911 center, um, the, the EMS program for the county, which is all covered under the county, and then all of the social sector and animal services and a bunch of other departments, including communications. So I did that for about three fiscal years. And then I had a short stint in the private sector, supporting law enforcement, intelligence-led policing uh, with a program that I'd worked on while I was at Tampa. And then when uh, the current mayor, Mayor Jane Castor, got elected in 2019, she asked me to come back as her chief of staff. And that's my current position. Wow, very interesting. Quite a varied career there. 
And uh, Todd, let's go to you. Talk to us about your your work history and your career journey. Well, my uh, first law enforcement position was county policing in Pennsylvania after I graduated from college. And during my time in Pennsylvania, I also was an investigator for the city of Pittsburgh and for the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, I then took a position in Florida at the Pasco County Sheriff's Office uh, to begin with. And uh, over time, I took a position with the state of Florida and I remained there for 27 years. And I retired from the state of Florida in June of 2016. In the uh, fall of 2016, I began teaching full-time at a private college in Maine where I instructed uh, classes in criminology, uh, police ethics, leadership, uh, report writing, uh, fly fishing. And uh, I taught capstone classes for seniors uh, uh, that involved the latent investigation of actual unsolved cold case homicides. Uh, these classes involved the students uh, grasping and uh, the goal was understanding of the underlying motivations of uh, crimes of homicide and uh, the application of uh, criminological theory, uh, their personal ability to organize an investigation, uh, the ability to work independently, communicating skills within the work group and with other stakeholders that we dealt with during the investigation, uh, their interview skills and uh, their ability to plan, prepare and present the investigative findings to the uh, faculty, the student body and to the law enforcement stakeholders that were involved in the initial cold case homicide. So uh, in 2019 with the college that I taught at switching to a generally online business model. I accepted a chief of police position with a small coastal town in Northeastern Maine where I still remain. Wow, very interesting. And I think uh, both of you demonstrate just the high caliber of, of students, you know, highly experienced students that uh, we're lucky enough to have in this doctoral program. So uh, speaking of higher education, uh, John, talk to me about your, your education prior to this doctoral program. Well, thank you. Um, so as I mentioned in my work history, my initial college years were a little bit disrupted, um, but I quickly wanted to get back into that. And in Tampa, there was a lot of opportunity to gain specialized training. Um, a matter of fact, there were stipends given by the state of Florida depending on how many hours you had and, and you could uh, get additional compensation for either college or these specialized training courses. So because college wasn't a primary focus of law enforcement in the early to mid eighties, as much as it is today, um, I had a, a unique amount of those training courses and certifications. And 
I was looking to, uh, you know, finish my my formal education, and St. Leo uh, was a great opportunity to come back to because they looked at, you know, these hundreds of hours of training courses, and found a unique way to leverage those, um, you know, towards my undergraduate. So I finished my undergraduate at St. Leo, and. Um, in between there and my master's program, I had the opportunity to go to the, the FBI National Academy in Quantico, which was arguably um, captured as graduate work, although you know it really didn't lead to a degree, but it, it gave a sense of the next level of, of education, which led me to apply for the Naval Postgraduate School um, that was being kind of programmed after 9-11 to unify or unite um, public safety officials in different functions to share their experiences in exchange for a master's program. And so um, I was fortunate to get accepted into the Naval Postgraduate School in 2011 and finished my master's uh, by the end of 2012 in, in the accompanying thesis. Uh, with that work and and that kind of led me towards this opportunity because the work was uh, rigorous and we had exceptional um, instructors and professors from all over the world actually in the different um, domains and um, you know one of the the key things that they reminded us is that if you can you know, you can use this to leverage towards your doctorate and, and all of you should not stop at this point. So it, it laid as a seed inside me for some time. Right. I see. Very interesting. And uh, Todd, let's go to you in terms of your education prior to this doctoral program. So, well, I completed my undergrad education at the main campus of the Pennsylvania State University in uh, University Park, Pennsylvania. I graduated with a uh, Bachelor of Science degree in criminology from Penn State. And I completed my Master of Science degree in criminal justice with a concentration in forensic psychology at St. Leo. And uh, of course, now I'm uh, beginning the dissertation uh, process uh, with a doctoral program there. I also uh, graduated class 11 of the Florida Department of uh, Law Enforcement Senior Leadership Program uh, in 2005, which, uh, which helped me uh, quite a bit in, uh, in management and uh, administration in, in the uh, field of law enforcement. Right. I see. Excellent. And then in terms of this uh, DCJ program, uh, John, I know you kind of briefly touched on, you know, kind of leading up to this program and talk to me a little further about how you actually decided to enroll in this program. So I had a, a few different um, segues into applying. Um, some of it is timing, like, you know, many adult learners and, um, we were going through some organizational change in the city of Tampa in the latter part of my policing career. And, and I wanted to get a different set of experiences other than criminal justice 
So um, I was duly enrolled at the University of Notre Dame in uh, their leadership program and their business school. And it gave me a different viewpoint of running government more like a business instead of the standard bureaucracy. And then when I finished my master's, as I mentioned, um, you know, I was told by my thesis advisors that, you know, you shouldn't stop here. You should really look for that ideal program. And, you know, part of, part of the opportunity with St. Leo was it was our understanding that this was, you know, the inaugural uh, doctorate program for criminal justice students. And um, in that discovery process and applying for the program, the key excitement for me was that it was really focusing on the scholar practitioner model and um, you know as a terminal degree approach towards criminal justice and I felt in my career I had some unfinished business and so St. Leo the way my uh, history with St. Leo was both as a student and um, in a, on occasion um, a lecture you know somebody was called on to to do a ad hoc lecture or something that um, St. Leo was progressing very well in the community. And, and so everything just seemed to converge at the right time. So I wanted to take advantage of that program. And uh, so far I've really enjoyed it. Oh, I see. Excellent. And uh, Todd, I know you also like John, uh, you also had prior you know experience taking courses with St. Leo and, was that a factor for you as well in kind of making the de the decision to enroll in this doctoral program? Yes, uh, I initially uh, discovered St. Leo University when I was uh, working in the area as a law enforcement officer in uh, 1990, actually. Uh, while uh, I was working, I remember there specifically the day that I first uh, went over to the campus. It was a Sunday morning. And uh, I, uh, I slid into the rear of the chapel for mass, actually. I was working in uniform and, and uh, stifled my radio and, and uh, went, attended the mass there. And there was just something about St. Leo that I was drawn to. And I, I still really don't know what it is, but over the years, uh, I have um, had many friends that have went to St. Leo and, and enrolled in classes and so on and so forth. So that that piqued my interest to uh, further my education. And thus I enrolled in the master's program there. Uh, during that time, I was teaching at the uh, Florida State Academy uh, up in uh, Havana, Florida. And uh, I always wanted to teach and I'd like to teach at the academy. And I thought that uh, if I had an opportunity to teach at a college, that would uh, really be something that I would be interested in later after I retired. Uh, and uh, as I went and attended uh, classes at St. Leo in my graduate degree, I, I got to student teach there a couple of semesters and I really enjoyed it. So that kind of, that kind of uh, hooked me, so to speak, into uh, wanting to teach. 
And fortunately, as I said earlier, I, I, I got a, a teaching job at a small college after I retired. And I realized that uh, a, a, a doctorate degree uh, in, in my field would be uh, a very good asset for me. So thus I end up here at uh, St. Leo again. Yeah, it's funny how life happens, right? <laughs> yes. And then, uh, John, uh, did you start, was it the fall of 2018 when you started in the program? I did. Um, I was excited to be part of that that initial group. And uh, so, you know, pressing on three years at this point. Right. And then Todd, you as well started uh, when we first started the, started offering it, correct? That's correct. Right. Very nice. Let's dive a little further into the program uh, in terms of the courses, uh, the faculty that teach in the program. And uh, let's go back to John on this one. Talk to me about any classes that have really stood out to you in addition to faculty that you've had that have really made a positive impression on you. So I think, you know, when I look across all the different classes, every one of them brought a sense of real-time value. Um, you know, I can highlight a corrections class and how, you know, in my current role in government, um, you can look at, you know, things like recidivism and other issues in a whole different way than, than I would have done 10 or 20 years ago and look at the social challenges on, on the opportunities to, that you have different resources now and controlling different outputs to get unique outcomes. So, I mean, that's just one example, but, you know, the, the journey has been full of opportunities in different categories, some of them purely academic about your quantitative or qualitative analysis, but then more, you know, in that practitioner like Homeland Security and, you know, of course, that's the track that I selected, but, you know, there, there's been just a globalness to the program so far that is found its way, again, using the term real time into my current uh, role, which is really what I enjoy is keeping that, you know, that saw sharpened every day and using the research. And I mean, it's, it's almost once a week that I'm leveraging some sort of peer review article and sending it out to staff and focusing on current events and, and, uh, you know, recently done research. Um, so, you know, as far as professors go, um, they've all been, they've all been great. Every one of them brings a unique set of values and experience and especially the ones that have been outside the law enforcement community and more, you know, strictly research-based or academic driven. Um, but, you know, two of them that I would like to highlight based on their style is, is Dr. Eloy Nunez and Dr. Philip Neely and just the way that they've interacted with the class in a very dynamic way. Um, and more importantly than the class is that I've been able to reach out to them during this journey, whether it was process driven or curriculum driven and ask questions, you know, after they, um, their courses have ended and they've always been highly responsive. And most of them, you know, again, if I reached out, I, I would say that they arguably all have been that way. But I just thought I would highlight those two as, as some key 
contacts to support, especially since we're the first class, there's things that we're all learning and smoothing and um, they've been a, a good outreach group to uh, support that conversation. It's wonderful. That's great to hear. And we certainly appreciate that positive feedback. Uh, Todd, in terms of your experience, uh, talk to me about any classes that, you know, really have resonated with you, any instructors that you've, you know, really hit it off with and found very valuable. Well, I would echo uh, what John said. That uh, I think the, the St. Leo College or University uh, has done an excellent job of assembling uh, quite a uh, crew of uh, instructors that are very sensitive to our particular needs because we are uh, not a typical student group. Uh, and also uh, their, their knowledge, their depth of experience is, uh, is quite remarkable. Uh, it's a difficult question to narrow down uh, the most memorable, memorable classes uh, of instructors, but I'll give it a shot anyways. Uh, uh, I particularly like Dr. Delmar Wright's International Perspectives in Criminal Justice. I thought that was very, very enlightening and placed it almost the beginning of the uh, curriculum. So uh, it would give us a, a good knowledge base for the rest of the courses. Uh, Dr. Uh, Carla Coates' uh, uh, criminology uh, theories were excellent. Uh, Dr. Nunez, as uh, John said, in his global extremism and mass movements was really uh, stimulating and it really made me think uh, deeply about the subject material. Uh, attorney uh, Joseph Sillo's terrorism and domestic radicalization class, uh, was, he had a different approach, but it was really uh, challenging for me, and I got a lot out of that course. And uh, Dr. Harrington's organizational and community re resilience was, was outstanding also. Uh, additionally, I just, uh, I wanna say uh, that one professor that I especially admired, and it, he wasn't in the uh, course of study now, but in my master's course, uh, I learned so much from him and I really admired him, was the late Barry Glover. Uh, I never actually attended any of Barry's classes ever, uh, but I uh, was chosen to student teach uh, two cold case homicide capstone classes at St. Leo under Barry's supervision. And uh, Barry left an unerasable imprint on me uh, regarding the importance of student motivation and how it relates to uh, positive change and success. And what Barry imported to me uh, has greatly increased my effectiveness as a uh, college instructor. Uh, and I realized that especially uh, uh, over the last uh, three years when I was teaching full-time at a college. 
Excellent. That's I, I really appreciate that feedback. And Professor Glover, I know, had such a great impact on the university and our criminal justice programs. Uh, so thank you for that. And I, I did just, just want to mention that, uh, you know, obviously both of you have many, many years of experience uh, in the field. And just to hear that these classes and these faculty uh, have really opened your, your eyes and your minds in so many different ways, I think just goes back to the, the quality and, and caliber of this program. So in terms of uh, the dissertation, which is certainly a requirement of this doctoral program, and uh, which certainly involves a lot of research as well, let's talk about just some of your, your areas of focus in terms of research and looking ahead to your dissertations. And uh, we can start with John on that one. Thank you, Greg. Um, so when I went into the you know, the DCJ program, um, it's, it's been a building journey for me. Um, you know, in the city of Tampa in the early 2000s, we were, as a police department, uh, self-assessed at number two in the country of high crime per capita, you know, the crime rate, if you will. And we worked really hard to retool our mission statement, our strategic plan, and our desired objectives to lower that. And, uh, and we're excited that, you know, after <clears throat> about 18 years of, of uh, continuous progress and improvement, that we are well below um, the statewide average. And, and we've managed to do that with, with reducing, you know, other forms of risk like arrests and both in adults and juveniles, et cetera. So I got really interested in policing more as a business, if you will, and without losing the sense of community and all the reasons that public trust relies upon law enforcement and that delicate balance of knowing that our objective is to you know, prevent or reduce crime, um, improve the quality of life of the community and do it in collaboration and cooperation with partners, including the community, that I really wanted to continue that journey and do it in a very prescriptive manner. And so what I had been working toward was knowledge management, sense-making, and information literacy as a way to understand how the, communicate, uh, how the department would communicate um, you know, from a hierarchical point of view, inward and outward, and across the community, and make sure that every person's role in the organization knew what the mission, vision, values, and the outcomes, the desired outcomes would be. And there was a school of hard knocks during this journey of 18 years, uh, supported by, um, you know, again, a journey of continuous improvement. And through this process of reductionism over my coursework, I had narrowed my scope down to the idea that mission statements matter and, and how those mission statements are crafted will leverage the strategic approach towards the desired outcomes in law enforcement. And, you know, and, and I hate to be redundant because a lot of people use the Peelian principles as, you know, those nine categories of how policing should be done back in the early 1800s forward as contemporary law enforcement. But 
but they were really well crafted in the sense that the police are the community and the community are the police. And so finding a way to examine mission statements for their quantitative, actionable and measurable lexicon and how that moves towards results. Because the journey that we experienced in Tampa was that we had this what I used to joke as the hallmark greeting card version of a mission statement. It had a lot of eloquent language in it and it had a gilded frame and it hung by the elevator where it hang, hung in the lobby. And nobody really knew how to make it actionable. And when we went through our exercise 18 years ago and decided almost like a startup company is why do we exist and what are our desired outcomes? And we wrote that mission statement with purpose and actionability and then that became the foundation for our strategic plan and then that became the foundation for our performance measurement and everything built from that mission statement forward so what i thought i would do is some sort of quantitative correlation between the mission statement and the performance of agencies as a sample so you know that led me to narrow the scope to uh, look at a sample of law enforcement agencies mission statements and compare and contrast that against their crime rates um, for a, a specific period of time uh, basically in line with the average term of a, a police chief and to see if mission statements unlike what they are in the private sector which have tremendous strategic value are being done in more of a um, a ministerial way or in a way that doesn't have the same business purpose that um, a for-profit community would have. Very interesting. And I think that's, that's such a great point that, you know, a lot, oftentimes organizations or people in general live by certain words, but when you really delve in, you know, is, is that really actually going on and, and everything and what's the meaning behind those words? And so that's uh, that's some great uh, insight right there. And then Todd, how about you? Well, my uh, initial idea of what I wanted to pursue as far as my dissertation uh, has changed. And uh, to no surprise, uh, of course, our interests are often products of our experiences. And I, I've had a very diverse uh, career as far as experiences go. Uh, calculated it uh, a few years ago as far as uh, of the year's experience. Uh, they're almost equally between uh, patrol work, either uh, as a uh, deputy or an officer and uh, supervisory patrol work. And uh, the other equal half is investigative. And the investigative part uh, was fortunate enough to uh, be able to investigate uh, some diverse uh, crimes, uh, mostly uh, internal affairs investigations, covert investigations, and uh, crimes against persons. And I've always uh, been fascinated with uh, the homicides part of the investigations. And, what intrigued me by those were the, the motivators and the triggers and 
the actions of uh, the typologies of uh, the various offenders. Uh, I still remain very interested in those particular uh, research uh, endeavors, but uh, my dissertation now will focus on the impact of the strains of societal interactions uh, with police regarding the need for uh, a refocus towards uh, the best traits for future police officers, what we need uh, to look for in our future officers to reflect the present and future needs and uh, culture of society. I think that's uh, very important, certainly is uh, uh, relevant right now. And uh, I'm hoping uh, I can uh, find some uh, good results uh, from my research. Absolutely. That's very timely, like you said, very relevant work in today's uh, society and some of the challenges we're dealing with. Uh, just a little more on the program in terms of the online format of this program. Uh, let's talk about how this is, you know, really that, that format has benefited you guys as students in this program. And uh, John, let's start with you. Yeah, thanks for that question, Greg. I think the online format, especially in, you know, the dynamic portion of my lifestyle, you know, raising a family, coaching athletics, you know, long days at work has really been valuable. Um, I was a little um, program for this because the Naval Graduate School that I went to had was both a residency uh, period. And then so you would go as a resident for two weeks and then you would be online for eight weeks. So I got really used to that format of um, you know, a little bit of classroom and a lot online and a lot of interaction online uh, with with whether it's the material or the the discussion process, if you will. Um, but that's what also drew me to St. Leo's program was the fact that they kicked it off with a residency type setting. And then they did that, or at least the plan was to do it two other times. We were a little disrupted or I could argue we were a little more resilient because of COVID and we already had a, a platform that would allow us to stay socially distanced and safe, but still continue with the program. So, um, you know, it was a little fortuitous to have all of this in place before we got hit with the COVID-19 experience, but it's worked very well for me. All the different platforms, whether, you know, I'm on my desktop or laptop or iPad, or even in some unique cases, my phone, um, you know, it's, it's just been a great opportunity to use all of this technology to interact with the class or individuals. And I think St. Leo's done a great job giving good access to the library. Um, there's just been a lot of capacity and capabilities towards this journey that have uh, made, you know, an executive lifestyle um, more accessible to the information. Whereas as much as I love the classroom environment, um, it clearly would not have been feasible at this point in my life to do it that way. 
Absolutely. I appreciate that perspective. And then, uh, Todd, uh, anything to add to that? Yes, uh, just uh, since I went and completed my master's degree at St. Leo, I, I uh, was interested in, in getting a, a doctorate degree. And uh, my preference, of course, was St. Leo College, but at the time they did not have a uh, doctorate degree regarding uh, criminal justice or anything uh, close to that. And uh, when I was notified that that program was developed and they were ready to uh, release it, I was excited because uh, you know the online format before really worked for me. Uh, I value, I still value the, the quality and the reputation of St. Leo uh, as far as putting classes together that really mean something and uh, the instructors that they pick to instruct these classes are, in my opinion, um, unequaled. I, I think they do a very good job of designing that. Uh, you know, there's many uh, different online formats, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I feel comfortable with St. Leo, perhaps because I'm used to it, but it is uh, user-friendly, which is uh, a big uh, asset for uh, people like John and myself that uh, are still working. I, I've worked my career in Florida and I retired. Now I am doing what I want to do and the format uh, of the uh, program that we're in right now uh, works for me. Uh, interestingly, the pandemic uh, affected the program in a way, but we were, uh, pretty uh, resilient and uh, just because of the design of the program, it, it didn't really affect us too much, but I think uh, it affected us because we were so looking forward to getting together as cohorts, which we had the chance to do two times before the pandemic. And it was so beneficial in more ways than just instruction, but in socializing and getting getting to know each other that uh, we soldiered on and, and uh, we made the best out of it through Zoom meetings. And uh, so we're electronically socializing now and uh, hopefully we can uh, get together and uh, graduate together. Right, very well said. And I'm glad both of you did bring up the residency, uh, you know, aspect of this program. And obviously COVID has had an impact on that, but we certainly call this, you know, an online doctoral program, but we do offer, uh, you know, the residency where students can actually get together in a, you know, normal uh, environment, let's say, uh, and, and, you know, have that face-to-face -face interaction and actually get to, to meet each other, shake hands. And that's something we're really proud of and think is, is unique in this program. And I guess kind of on that note, let's talk about let's let's talk about the connectedness 
uh, that, that each of you have felt with your students, fellow students, professors, uh, and just kind of the, the whole environment. And John, we can start with you on that one. Thank you. Um, great question. I, I think because there was a, an opportunity to kick off the program in um, a group session, face-to-face, -face, having lunch, doing things after hours, it, it created that initial bond and then um, you're able to carry that into the virtual system. Um, you know, there's probably several of us in small groups that have had either similar work journeys or have been colleagues or peers from uh, their, you know, founding organizations, if you will, or at least you know each other from the region or some other level of, um, the industry, if you will, of law enforcement. And then there's many others that um, have unique experiences that are different than just the traditional law enforcement side. And, you know, I would say in the classroom setting, whether it was live or virtual, that that really blossomed well. And it extended beyond that. Um, you know, when we have discussions or we reintroduce ourselves each course, and kind of capitalize on where we are at the moment. And, you know, we heard Todd talk about a grandchild and, you know, I may add something to my opening uh, remarks for a new class where something's changed in my life and everybody seems to grab onto those changes and communicate about them. And so it's, it's uh, personalized in a way that you do get to know each other and, and gives you an opportunity to say, oh, I didn't know you were from here or your background or you moved here or you retired from this and now you're doing that so um you know it was it was good it wasn't the same as being in a classroom for you know three three and a half years but it's a perfect balance between uh being able to access the information and get the work done and yet still develop these uh strong bonds absolutely no question and Todd, how about you? Well, I think uh, John kind of hit everything that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I uh, especially like the idea that, you know, we had a cohort or we have a cohort uh, that uh, is made up of uh, some diverse careers. Uh, of different people, not uh, there's some of us that are directly in law enforcement, but not that many. And there's some that were in law enforcement. There's some that are on uh, on the periphery of uh, law enforcement, and others that really aren't even connected with uh, law enforcement as we as we know it. And and that affords us the opportunity to to listen and learn from these other people uh, on their perspectives of uh, our profession. I'm speaking for myself and uh, John's former profession. Uh, we, we get to uh, experience uh, what these other people that are in the cohort uh, feel about certain things that we may feel differently about and i think that tempers our ability to uh 
uh, be polarized because uh, we are in in the profession, so we kind of own it, and we we get a different uh, view, different perspective of people's uh, uh, view of what we've been doing for so long uh, as a career, and I think that just makes us better, uh, and uh, hopefully it it helps them to understand uh, our point of view. And uh, I think uh, it's, it's, it's like uh, when John was at the National Academy and, and I went to FDLE senior leadership uh, for quite a while, when you're immersed with uh, a certain group for a long time, there's, there's a bond, uh, it's camaraderie and uh, it's a special thing and uh, it just doesn't go away. And uh, it's, it's one of the uh, unintended consequences of uh, these kinds of uh, educational endeavors, I believe. Sure, very well said. In terms of advice for a prospective student who might be listening to this, considering this, uh, this Doctor of Criminal Justice program, uh, John, what kind of advice would you give to that individual, specifically in terms of this program, and then just in general about, you know, what's actually involved in, in being successful in a doctoral program? So thanks, Greg. I think the first thing is, don't be shy about it. Um, I think we all feel some sense of uh, professional intimidation at some point about experiencing a next level, you know, whether you're trying to get your black belt or you're, you know, you're trying to take on a new career path or whatever, there's some trepidation that occurs. And my comment to that was don't, don't be shy. If you got through your master's and you, um, you've, handled that rigor okay and you you know your capstone projects and your mat your thesis worked out well you already have the foundational skills um you know to enter the program and and just you know make sure that you're ready to roll up your sleeves a little bit which would be my second point it's real work nobody's going to give you this uh doctorate and um you know you're going to have to do the work you have to do the writing you're going to have to do the research but it's very rewarding and very stimulating uh, to go through it. And there's a lot of um, instructor professor support and a lot of peer support that those areas that you may be less familiar with, uh, somebody's willing to, you know, again, communicate with you and support you and, and team up on things. So it's, you know, and that's the beauty of St. Leo is those things are encouraged. And then lastly, you know, if, if the first two things don't really entice you enough, the last piece would be the pay it forward approach. I would feel remiss that the blessings that I have felt based on St. Leo's core values a little here, that my, you know, coming up on almost 40 years of public service, coming out of high school, and then, you know, my, my real career in law enforcement, and then my follow-up career in, in more of executive government, that if I didn't take this terminal degree and then try and make it benefit those that are coming up behind me um, in some capacity, whether it's in the real classroom, the virtual classroom, the research, um, or even using it in the private sector for other deliverables, that I would have 
not felt satisfied. So even if you end up doing it for others and not just for yourself, there's tremendous value in that. And then just to, you know, put a little icing on that is at some point when you really do want to hang up your cleats from the office and not necessarily go to a location every day and, and check in to a building, you can probably teach from just about anywhere in the world. So, you know, in my case, um, getting close to an empty nest. And if my wife and I, after the kids finish school and get married off and we want to roam the countryside, whatever that means, as long as I have connectivity, I can teach. And so there is some sort of remote benefit that allows the, the bifurcation of paying it forward and yet being able to move around you know, the globe for that matter and being able to teach a group and, and fulfill that paying it forward aspect. So those would be my recommendations. Excellent. You summed it up uh, quite well there. Thank you for that. Uh, Todd, how about uh, your advice and your perspective to someone considering the program? Yeah, in a uh, ut utilitarian way, uh, my advice would be uh, plan on uh, sacrificing some of your family time and social life. Plan on reading and plan on writing and writing and writing. That a lot of writing, but that's that's part of the deal. Uh, what what I remember, and I still actually uh, may exhibit it sometimes, uh, when we first started uh, the program, our first cohort meeting at St. Leo, uh, I almost, I was a little intimidated and uh, I almost, uh, I think I was suffering from the imposter syndrome. I think I thought I didn't know anything. And what this course, this program has taught me is I didn't know as much as I thought I knew, but I know a lot. So it made me value the education and not to assume that I know it all because I don't. And also made me realize that, that I have value in my experience and in my knowledge, and I can import that to other people. Uh, I, uh, you know, I just enjoyed uh, teaching, and uh, I thought that that the uh, doctorate would be the the best avenue to uh, to drive towards. Uh, as far as teaching in higher education. And I still believe that. And I think uh, the St. Leo program, is, it's a tough program, but if it was easy, it wouldn't be challenging. It wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be rewarding. And uh, that's what I'm all about. If, if uh, I want to challenge myself and I'll end with this, I, I originally, uh, wanted to do this so I would be better at teaching. And I think uh, it already has made me better at teaching. But I also think that, and I'm sure John is doing it right now, uh, 
we set the example for our children and others that that follow us and and i think that part of our responsibility is is to prepare and educate uh, those that will follow us and, and uh, i think this program uh, is excellent as far as that goes no question very well stated and then just one final question here. I know we've, we've already talked a lot about this, but uh, if you could just both summarize in a nutshell how this program has benefited you in your careers and uh, kind of just looking ahead in terms of what you'd like to do and, and aspirations and whatnot. And John, we can start with you. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, summing it up for me is, um, you know, I, I, I used to say that there's a difference between achievements and accomplishments. And, you know, I think the, the longitudinal aspect of a career, um, you know, could be looked at as an achievement, whereas the accomplishments are kind of iterative. And so I don't, I tend to not look at this as a career benefit as much as I look at it as a, um, a service benefit to do this knowledge transfer. You know, I always feel like I'm immersed in the coursework and the writing and the reading and the, the, you know, the interaction with my colleagues. And then I always look for opportunities to prepackage that and bring it back out and serve it up. And whether somebody leverages that or they, you know, shelve it, that's up to them. But I think the real time benefit of what's going on, and I experienced the same thing with my master's program is you know, right in the middle of doing that, we were planning for the 2012 Republican National Convention. And I felt like I had 30 of the best and brightest people around me. So, you know, even though my thesis wasn't based on that, I was able to use the library and research and colleague feedback to plan an event that ultimately went very well for the city. Um, and it's kind of the same thing here is I feel like there's real time value in the program in, and in my current position. And then, you know, again, not so much benefiting me, although, you know, the ability to teach, um, you know, beyond my, what I would call hard retirement year um, is opportunistic. It, to me, it's more important to share all of the bumps and bruises and smooth those out with academia and practitioner experience um, with people who are interested in that. And it's just, it's just another caliber of learning and uh, caliber of knowledge transfer that I think has importance. So, um, you know, again, I tie it back to what St. Leo stands for, which are those core values, a sense of community. So that works for me. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And uh, Todd, any final words uh, you want to mention? Well, it's, I think with, for me, I think it's uh, about preparing people for the future, whether they are going to follow in the uh, policing or some dimension of law enforcement uh, career or or not but i think uh with this program it it allows us to be able to 
influence that in, in, a, in a good way uh, to import our experience and our ability to learn new things and develop new theories and test them out. And uh, I think it will make law enforcement stronger. I think it will make uh, the relationship between uh, policing and the community stronger. Uh, so I think it's all about the transfer of what we've learned in our ability to put it into a form that is most beneficial to society. And if we can do that, uh, mission accomplished. Absolutely. No question. Very well said. All righty. Well, again, we've been visiting with John Bennett and Todd Hand, uh, two students in our Doctor of Criminal Justice program here at St. Leo University. And uh, John and Todd really want to thank you so much for your time, uh, your perspective, your insight on this program. I uh, really appreciate you joining me here on the podcast. So thank you both so much. Thanks, Greg. Take care, John. My pleasure. Same to you, Todd. Thank you. To hear more episodes of the St. Leo 360 podcast, visit stleo.edu forward slash podcast. To learn more about St. Leo's programs and services, call 877-622-2009 or visit stleo.edu.